Hey everybody, and welcome to Panels in Motion, the podcast where we read a comic, watch the movie adaptation, and figure out what went right or what went wrong. So since this is our first episode, I'm just going to introduce the show concept. Uh, I am Nick Palmieri. You may have seen me at Multiversity Comics writing uh, reviews, uh, currently writing television reviews, and I was formerly on the Make Mine Multiversity podcast. Um, with me, we have... Andre Hazer, sitting right next to me. Hey. And joining us from New York, we have Luke Lehner. Hi. Alrighty. So um, the concept of this show is just, there are a lot of different types of podcasts that cover usually DC and Marvel stuff. It's always superheroes. So we want to get into all the other types of comic books that are out there. Um, so we're going to focus on some bigger things, some smaller things, stuff from different eras. So it might be Edge of Tomorrow, which is an American movie uh, from a few years ago that was based on a Japanese comic. It might be something a little smaller, like My Friend Dahmer. It might be something uh, that's a little older, like Barbarella, or something international, like Blue's the Warmest Color. Uh, it could even be something that is considered mainstream American, like what we're going to talk about today, which is The Mask. So I, I thought this would be a good episode. I didn't realize how good of an episode it would be for showing us what the concept of the show is, and you'll see why. So a brief history of The Mask. Uh, it was created by Mike Richardson, and it was a concept that had been floating around in his head for a few years before it became anything. Um, he was originally a comic book retailer at Things From Another World. He started that store, and that was in 1980. In 1986, he started Dark Horse Comics as a place for uh, independent creators to come and have their properties. So he uh, then chose to hire a writer and artist, Mark Badger, to do Mask, M-A-S-Q-U-E, in the Dark Horse Presents um, anthology title. And that was in 87 and 88. Those we did not read today because they are very different from uh, what the mask ended up being. All right. So that strip ended around 1988. Artist Chris Warner redesigned the character, and that's how we know him today. In the late 80s, Dark Horse started adapting uh, series like Aliens, Predator, and Star Wars to comics. So they started gaining a reputation as both uh, film and comic uh, company. And in 89, in the Mayhem uh, miniseries, which was also an anthology, uh, John Arcudi and Doug Monkey collaborated to create The Mask as we know him today. So that's uh, <laughs> the origins of the comic. Those four strips from Mayhem ended up becoming The Mask Number Zero. That was the first 50 pages of what we read for today. Um, a few months after that, Mike Richardson brought those strips to New Line Cinema, and they picked up the film. It was supposed to be a horror franchise, so they hired director Chuck Russell. He ended up directing the movie. In 87, he uh, made Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and in 88, he made the remake of The Blob. What the hell? In 1990, writer, screenwriter Mark Werb was hired to write the movie as a romantic comedy. So he took, I guess, the script and the, I don't think it was a script yet, but the horror concept, and then just morphed it into a romantic comedy. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> so <laughs> I guess that's what it was, huh? 
So the next year in 91, that's when Arcudi and Monkey made The Mask number one through four. That was the miniseries that focused on Kellaway that we read. So let's get into the comic thoughts. We read The Mask number zero through four. Number zero was those strips for Mayhem, and then one through four uh, was the actual miniseries written by John Arcudi, drawn by Doug Monkey. Colorists were Monkey and Matt Webb. Letterers were Pat Brousseau and David Jackson. So first off, do you have any prior experience with any of these creators? Yeah. We'll start with Andre. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's kind of funny you say that. When I, um, when I was a kid, I specifically remember um, watching The Mask. And I always remembered the movie, the, the movie that we actually ended up watching. And I always remember never liking it as a kid. It was just because it weirded me out. Like, it's just like the movie's weird. Um, but then also afterwards, um, the mask. There was an animated series, so that was my experience with the mask. And then, and then I, I never, I didn't even know it was a comic. Actually, I had no idea it was a comic until we, we started talking about this podcast. So, um, that was my experience. All right. And then Luke, what about you? I knew that it was a comic at at some point in my life, but I never actually read it. Or you know, um, I did watch it a lot as a kid. It was one of those. Uh, movies that you would see on cable at at night that you would just you know turn on and it would be you know what you would watch one or two scenes a million times but you would only watch the ending once or twice so you know the beginning once or twice so i last time i probably saw this movie was maybe 15 years ago but uh i love jim carrey eternal sunshine right oh yeah jim carrey's cool Okay, sweet. And then for me, um, so John Arcudi, I've read some stuff by him. I've actually read something by both this writer and artist together. Um, they made a comic also for Dark Horse. It was called Major Bummer. Um, I read the first few issues of that. Um, but Doug Monkey, well, John Arcudi is mostly known for his work at Dark Horse, specifically his stuff in the Hellboy universe with the BPRD title. Um, but I have not read any of that. Uh, Doug Monkey, he's done a lot for DC, and I've pretty much always been a pretty big DC guy. And so when I was first really getting into comics, um, that was right when Jeff Johns' Green Lantern was in the Blackest Night era, and uh, he was the artist on the Green Lantern title at the time. So I, I am very familiar with him as an artist, and uh, yeah, he has like a sort of a special place to me, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, nothing for the colors and letters. All right, so the comic itself. Uh, I think we should start out by talking about the uh, Zero issue. So the story about Ipkiss. Ipkiss. Yeah, so um, can I just start? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, okay, so when I started The Mask, um, the, now reading it, um, I was so disturbed. Um, it's funny because I remember Stanley Ipkiss being like kind of like a guy that goes out and does crazy shit, but like I didn't think of him as this like vengeful bad person. So it was kind of interesting when you're introduced to him and he starts just immediately doing bad shit. And I'm like, oh my God. And the first issue zero, I was just like, by the end of issue zero, I was just like, oh my God. Like I, that's how I felt. I felt horrible inside. But then it kind of dawned the, on me. The end of issue zero was when uh, the girlfriend kills him. Yeah, exactly. And then when he died, especially, I was like, wait, what the hell? <laughs> He's the main guy character. <laughs> it was so confusing to me. And and I, but but I was just totally, um, like, just, it repulsed me. And and then I realized it dawned on me that that was the intention, most likely. 
And and then I thought about how it was made. In, it was made in the early 90s, right? Late, uh, late 80s. 80s. It yeah. was 88 or 89. Yeah, so it kind of made sense in my head thinking about like the culture at the time and thinking about like this is this is I feel like commentary in some ways, but um it was good. It was brutal. I don't remember the mass being a mass murder, but I liked it better that way also. <laughs> and it was interesting. It was interesting. Okay. <laughs> Luke, what say you? I I was extremely surprised. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like the the first few pages. I I took some screenshots, but the first few pages where it's like, oh, like wimpy wimpy guy buys a random mask for his girlfriend because she's mad at him. I don't know. Yeah, right. And then like gets beat up by some bikers, and oh oh no, like it. <laughs> it now I'm gonna murder and them. And then all of a sudden, there's just like gratuitous violence and just like i i haven't seen anything like that in a, a very long time like i was yeah I was, it, was, ex- it was just not what i was expecting at all like 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 yeah and then him killing the police like, officer wait the whole scene wait the whole scene where he goes back <laughs> oh into the apartment to go kill his girlfriend because oh wait i think he was gonna rape her i think that was what he implied that he was going to do in the text of the comic and he's going to like, I'm going to go back and he's going to do some bad stuff. He implied it was bad stuff. So you can only assume. And and he goes back and, and that's when it gets really messed up because I'm like, oh, my God, bro. Like your girlfriend just broke up with you because you became insensitive. And now you're going to go back and kill her. And then he goes back and then he starts killing all these cops. And, and, and then he's like. Telling the cops, like, step aside, let me just kill my girlfriend for a sec. <laughs> and, like, I, went, I was so shook, man. I was like, this is messed up. This person is bad. So I, I I was really, really like, and then the, the whole scene where he's in the city just killing cops and he's just like, ha, 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 and he's exploding cars. And I was like, are these guys not getting it? Like, why are you trying to kill him? And then, and then I, and then I just got to say, I love the ending. Like when she killed him, I was like, fuck yeah. I love her character in the comic. <laughs> I love her character in the comic. Cool. Yeah. I had to, uh, I had, I actually went back a few times, like, uh, when, when he pulls out the bazooka and like blows up everyone in the in the apartment i was like i i it never really you know uh got through to me that he was killing cops and then when that when that happened i actually went back like four or five pages and was like oh wait, wait oh he's, <laughs> oh he's killing co- this isn't this isn't funny yeah oh okay dude the scene where he's yeah. fucking around with his teacher his old teacher yeah that was oh yeah. that i what? i did not oh, i didn't wait. like that really quick uh i just want to say when i first started reading i had a completely different like perspective from you two because i've read like a lot of stuff like specifically from this time and as i was reading it i was like okay typical late 80s comic like independent comic yeah it's like this is honestly pretty par for the course it's definitely better uh like better written but like in terms of content and what it's doing it's pretty similar to a lot of other stuff that was out there at the time no yeah and you know reading this like i, I remember i thought it, honestly i thought of some scenes in watchmen that were kind of <laughs> bad not, not bad but like grotesque yeah yeah so i, I kind I of i kind that, of thought yeah. that too but i didn't think about because i i still thought it was super violent and i was like what the fuck mm-hmm. and we we can we just talk about how he started wearing camouflage 
Like what? I loved. I loved that. What, what did I have happen, bro? I loved it. What do you like, mean? Like the, the the sudden goddamn change is that he goes to a fucking army like secondhand store and just buys fucking camo pants. Yeah, like, like what are you doing? Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, he just fucking hanging out on the couch, you know, in in his, in his camos, drinking beer, watching TV. Like who the fuck are Dude, you? Dude, your bro? girlfriend loves you. You're just like acting like a jerk. Like like can't you have a little bit of self awareness? What is wrong with you? Oh my god! I'm, so, uh, I'm, I'm going uh, through it right now, and I'm just re- reliving the horror. <laughs> I, I I hated it, but I loved it. Yeah, me too. No, me too. I gotta say that I did like it. It was just like, whoa. <laughs> so, uh, what really stood out to me in those early uh, or in the zero issue was the, just the fact that it was very violent, but it was also really like Bugs Bunny esque, but with real consequences. And that yeah. it wasn't something sure. I was like unheard of, but it hadn't been done a lot. I feel like that sort of concept has been done a lot by today. But um like specifically I'm I'm looking at the page where he like just you see the guy who has the muffler like in his head. <laughs> that was so stupid. Yeah, cuz that's how it would happen. That was so funny. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it just his uh mannerisms in the art. They're very uh cartoonified when he has the mask on. Yeah. And all that really stood out to me. Um, so we can get on to uh, the actual miniseries. Yeah. And yeah, with that, we can also talk about like the different techniques that the creators employed throughout the whole thing. So first of all, I just want to say, I think it's interesting that now I understand, because I, I was like, why are you showing a character that dies so quick? But now it makes sense that it was an issue zero. I didn't realize that until you just told me. Yeah, well, it, not, like not just issue zero, it was like serialized in a like different miniseries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so that that makes more sense now. I was I was a little confused, but but um, I like their switch. I love the I love their switch to focus on Callaway. I thought that was awesome. Also because he's a better character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, w- I was actually, I was wondering why in the, it might just be me, but in the, in the, the issue number zero, I was like, why are they focusing on, on this random ass cop so much? Like, wh- what's the deal? And I don't know if it was, you know, uh, pre-planned that he was going to be a main character or uh, when they decided to write more, they were just like, oh yeah, we have this guy, let's do this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm thinking, I, I, I'm thinking maybe like they had that in mind or maybe they had it in mind that like the girlfriend was going to become the new mask. And then after Uh that, because like it was serialized. So maybe they were thinking like if the series went on, then they'd just cover all these different characters. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that's what, uh, further on does it, does it do that? Or is Callaway just the mask? Um, Andre bread. Yeah. um, Yeah. Callaway isn't the only one who's the mask. Okay. It's more, yeah. It's like its own thing, but, but, um, but yeah, he is the main character for a while. Okay. Um, I think wh- wh- I love the transition because, f- first of all, um, th- what kept me reading more than anything, quite frankly, was what's what was the girlfriend's name? Um, Susie? Was it Susie? I feel like it was Susie. Mm, Betty. They didn't say it a lot. They never said her name. <laughs> no, they, they definitely said it. It's messed up. Okay. Well, the girlfriend character. Um, what, what kept me reading was I wanted to know what the heck was going to happen with her because she just gives this freaking powerful mask to this random dude. And she's like, "All right, I'll trust you to take care of it." And and and, Kathy. and huh, Kathy, Kathy, that's right, Kathy, yeah. Kathy. And, and, and then Kathy just disappears. And then I love it when she starts appearing again, and she starts putting it together that like the guy started wearing the mask. And I love, I love the whole like deduction process, and that kept me interested. Like, what is she gonna do? That was an interesting like thread that kept me wanting to read more, and probably what kept me reading more than anything. 
And I love the idea of like this disgruntled cop in this super corrupt city um, who can't do his job properly. So at nighttime, when he comes home from work, all pissed, he just goes out and kills these guys. <laughs> and it's like, it's just like he does it and he doesn't care. That doesn't matter. But it's very much like a crime vigilante story. Yeah. Which sure. I was yeah. not expecting because it's like almost superhero like in that sense. Yeah, in a way. But what I thought was interesting was that, I mean, you never fully agree with what the mask is doing. Like, even though he's yeah, like definitely. going after these criminals, you're just like, dude, why are you killing him? Like, because you know that that's not the right thing to do the right thing to do is to do the job properly and to fight the system from within. But, but like, he's not doing like a, what Batman does. Like Batman will arrest him and take him to court. Like the mask is sh- like seriously killing them. Well, that, uh, that also made me wonder like, what exactly does the mask do to somebody? Like, does it make them crazy? Does it just take their like inner desires and like make them real? Does it, Last like, question. does it just give them an excuse to be a psychopath? Do you want me to quote the movie? <laughs> yeah, I was going to quote the movie. No, 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 I'm not going to quote the movie because I think it was BS. But, but, um, but <laughs> no, I mean, from my interpretation, reading the comic, the mask to me was its own entity. Mm-hmm. The mask is a murderous, mischievous machine. And it will find within every, any person that wears it the capacity to do horrible, crazy things. That, that, that's my interpretation of the mask. Okay. And, 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 and it will go further and further and further until the mask is controlling you completely. And the more you wear it, the more it controls you. And you see it, in, and the stronger you are as a character, the harder it is to control you. Like if you think about Stanley's character, Stanley is a weak ass bitch. And, and he immediately got controlled by the mask. The second day of him wearing the mask, he's wearing camel pants. Yeah. Well, but, that was actually, it took place a month later. It was because that was like the start yeah, of the yeah. second issue. Still, yeah. a month later, he's wearing camel pants. But yeah. like um, <laughs> Callaway, it was like a slow burn. It like it slowly, like it slowly. It took him a while for him to be like, "Wait a second, this thing's taking over my life." Until he ultimately was like, "I got to bury this thing." And and when he made a deal with 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 Kathy, and he's like, "Let me put it in my drawer." And then he when he breaks his drawer open so that he can commit another crime, he realizes I'm pretty crazy. Um, and Kathy, clearly the strongest character of the series, she isn't even phased by it. She knows the powers of it, but she's strong enough to be able to put it away. So, which makes me wonder, why would she, why didn't she just keep the mask the entire time? She's so much better than everyone else that had it. <laughs> but um, but that's what I see. Got her to kill the Stanley deserved like, to die, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in terms of the story, or not just the story, but the way that the art is presented in relation to the story, I thought it was really interesting how. Like you had this very clear dichotomy between the police procedural scenes, which are drawn uh, like all the characters are like very much just confined to the panels. The lettering is very uh, like it's very structured. Um, oh, true. The coloring yeah. is a lot lighter. You're right. Um, and then once you get to the mask scenes, all the colors are really saturated. The mask is literally bursting out of the panel sometimes. Uh, his lettering, especially, his whack, is whack. insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, the actual art just becomes a lot more cartoon. Um, so yeah, I thought all of that was very interesting. And it's something that sort of comics, <laughs> only comics can do, you know? Like yeah. technically, a movie could do that, but it. I think the the biggest difference was the fact that the lettering, um, in addition to the colors, 
the lettering was what was really insane and made each page look truly insane. Yeah. And that's something you don't get in the movie. Yeah, 100%. I totally get that. And and you saying that now, I'm just going through it. I'm like, yeah, it's it's amazing. Like it's it's more like in the in the scenes where nobody's wearing the mask, essentially it's more like even like a it's just soft colors and 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 typical and just straightforward paneling. Whereas the mask, sometimes in, in when he's wearing the mask, there's just like a strong yellow light that comes out of nowhere and it's just kind of like letting like the scene, like this scene right here, they're in the, they're inside the van. Yeah. And it's just yellow, like straight up yellow. And it's like, where's that? You know, it's it's super saturated. Um, and I totally see that. I totally see that. And it works really, really well. Because when you're reading the mask scenes, you're like, man, this guy's crazy. It's it's weird. It's it's really you really get engaged with it. Yeah. And then there are some scenes where like uh Kellaway starts like going into being a little crazy, but he's still just Kellaway. And like yeah. even then it's like an in-between thing mm-hmm. with the colors. I I, yeah. I was gonna ask you if you guys noticed that. It, especially it it was sort of noticeable, you know, towards the middle, but towards the end where, you know, he finally realizes that it's a bad thing, blah, 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 blah. It, uh, it was very pronounced, and I, I couldn't tell if that was just like, a, oh, yeah, like he buried it at night, so mm-hmm. this is how they represented night scenes, or if it was a, you know, a stylistic choice because of the mask mm-hmm. being more of a character in, in these scenes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally see that. So uh, how about uh, your guys' thoughts on the art? I, I love the art. I thought, I thought that it was really well done. Um, I, I mean, whenever I've read stuff from the 80s that you showed me, you've shown me, Nick, I've always been like, this is so busy and there's a bunch of pouches. <laughs> Thinking about that guy you showed me, but um, Rob Liefeld. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but um, but I, I, uh, I totally love this. I, I, you could tell that it's, it's. Not, not even, I was going to say, you can even tell that it's from the 80s, but I'm like looking at the coloring and it's like, not even, man. It, it looks really good. I, I love it. I thought it was great. The way that they use lighting, the way that the way that they use lighting to tell the story, the way that the backgrounds look, um, they, they really do a good job effectively visually telling a story. Like, I don't even need to read a word to understand what's going on. So, And the coloring, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, it actually... To me, it looks very much like a comic that was released in the 80s that was trying to look like it wasn't a comic released in the 80s. And the reason is because if you look closely, it uses the actual uh, either marker or watercolor paint that the colorist used. Whereas most comics at the time were using, um, like a colorist would use markers or watercolors to color uh, the pages. And then it would go to somebody else who would cut out the... Uh, actual red, blue, and yellow uh, hmm. strips that would go onto the printing press. Oh. So, uh, and then from that point, all the colors were just completely flat. So this was a pretty new technique at the time where they just showed the actual colors. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, and with this, you get stuff that you couldn't really get. Uh, because you were limited to it was like something around 120 different colors whereas here it's and i don't know if i'd say infinite amount of colors but you can have just the entire color spectrum yeah it's really nice and i'm looking at the skin tones too like the way that the skin tones look is so good like they have they're able to really get variations of like of that of the shades um it's really well done especially you saying that it's it's it i see that i'm thinking like maybe after that or maybe people were thinking that this is how all comics would look in the future. But uh, yeah, then we had computer coloring and yeah. that's just dominating the industry now. Yeah, of course. Yeah, It's awesome. So 
uh, with Doug Monkey's art. Uh, Luke, we didn't hear what you thought about it. I mean, I, I love the architecture. So based on like issue zero, uh, you know, the, the skylines and the buildings were like nice, but not very complex. And then uh, you really get to like, I'm looking at the a screenshot of the really quick, like two pages where the mask is Sinatra which I love so much. <laughs> yeah, I love that and, line. <laughs> and it's, it's, just like, world. <laughs> it's 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 the middle of the night and you know it's the, it might be early morning, but based on you're supposed to think it's the middle of the night and it's just like bright yellows, yeah, yellows and oranges and like all these buildings like they look like they look like straight out of a picture in, you know, in New York or something like that. Mm -hmm. This is kind of part of the art. Can I just mention how I love the mask's outfit when he was like going in that building and he was um, rescuing the hostages? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that outfit. He's like wearing a matador outfit with like oh, a yeah. Disney, Disney, like Disney. I thought yeah. that was so funny. I was like, man, this is great. You know what? Mm. For the 80s, like that's pretty like risque. Like, because, you know, yeah. the, the mask is like a character that's like willing to gender bend. Like, <laughs> It, it, it like, well, that that also comes from the tradition of Bugs Bunny. He would uh, cross yeah. dress all the time. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I thought that was awesome. I thought that was really well. I guess Bugs Bunny was ahead of his time too, in a way. <laughs> well, it depends on how they portrayed it, but but still, um, yeah, I love that outfit. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what really stood out to me about the art um, is probably because I'm more familiar with Doug Monkey. Uh, was just his evolution as an artist. You can see from the zero issue all the way through to the last page of this miniseries, he grows so much as an artist. And for, even in the beginning, he has a really nice eye for just framing and uh, drawing locations, which was interesting to me because that's not something that I associate with his art today. And then uh, what I associate his art with today, um, I I always think about his uh, eyes and the way that he draws mouths. And I sent you guys uh, some screenshots from his Green Lantern work in 2008 and his Superman work in uh, 2016. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can see he has a very specific way of drawing eyes and mouths. Yeah, you're right. And because of that, I thought it was funny that, like, what are the mask's two most notable features? It's his crazy eyes and his giant mouth. Yeah. So I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I really like the way that his use of cross-hatching evolves. Like in the first issue, he uses it a lot uh, for uh, showing light and dark. And it's almost as if it was originally supposed to be in black and white. Like it would work just as well to show just the way that light is appearing in the scene. Yeah. But then as the miniseries uh, starts and goes on, he uses it a lot more for... Um, well, he uses it a lot less but he uses it more in the mask scenes than he does in the police scenes. And he uses it more for shaping than he does for like light and dark. So just watching his development as an artist, super, super interesting for me. Awesome. Yeah, he seems like he's really cool. I like his stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think that's about all that I had for the comic. Did you guys have anything else before we give our final thoughts on it? I just want to say that I thought that Kathy's character was so badass and I wish I saw more of her. A, That's a all plus I'm saying. Kathy. Kathy is awesome. I love how she killed some Stanley. Stanley was a horrible person. <laughs> um, I, honestly, that whole teacher scene, like out of all the people you're going to go back to, you're going to kill your, you're going to hurt, you're going to kill your teacher? In he front didn't of, end see, up killing her. That, mm, 
It's questionable. No, he did she, some bad stuff in front of kids too. It's like, yeah. what are you telling them, man? Yeah. Like, Stanley, think about it, man. He's just it, like, it was that point where I was kind of like, oh, yeah. Like, if if he this, killed her, this guy isn't isn't good. Yeah, if he killed her, that would have been like genuinely upsetting. Genuinely <laughs> upsetting. Yeah. It's like it would have it would have been a feeling like if a dog died in a movie. Like, yeah, it's that bad. Mm-hmm. Also, I want to say, why is he such a bitter person? I'd like to know more about because he's a nerd. He's a nerd. <laughs> Well, he was a nerd back when being a nerd wasn't cool. Yeah, they they really did uh, gloss over his backstory because they were trying to get in those twelve pages the whole origin of the mask, so that the next issue they could have like him just being the mask. All right, Luke, anything else? I don't think I would read any more of this just because it's it's not my 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 shtick. But what I did read, I did enjoy to a point. It uh, it felt like very much something that I would have read as a uh, child while watching uh, Family Guy and South Park. <laughs> and when you say child, you mean like middle school? Yeah, let's say that. You were like a, you were like a third reader watching South Park. <laughs> That's fine. All right, cool. Um, and then we know that Andre liked it enough to keep on reading. Yeah, I did. I, I liked it enough to keep on reading because I wanted to know, all right, well, the mask is now buried in cement. It's obviously going to get out. Like, what's going to happen? So I, I read through the whole omnibus, and I'm going to read the second one too. Um, and I was slightly, um, it was an interesting experience. Yeah. And then I definitely liked it enough to want to keep reading. I'm definitely going to read the rest of the Arcudian monkey stuff, which is also in Omnibus number one. Is Omnibus two with the same people? No. Omnibus two is where, yeah, it just started being given out to a bunch of different people. Mm, Okay. Well, I'm, I'm curious to see how that happened. I'll probably read it. Yeah. And then there were some DC crossovers and those are collected elsewhere too. What? The mask had a DC crossover? It crossed over with Joker. Oh, what? Oh my god. <laughs> that is so upsetting. Why? Why do they feel the need to do that? It's it's perfect. So we're going to take a break and we will get back to you with the movie. Woo. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> Hi, I'm Paul, the host of the Comic Syllabus Podcast, a weekly show on the Multiversity Network of Podcasts. We read widely and we dig deep, bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at multiversitycomics.com. So let's dig deep. All right, and welcome back. We're going to now be talking about The Mask, the 1994 movie directed by Chuck Russell, story by Michael Fallon and Mark Verheiden, screenplay by Mike Werb, and, of course, starring Jim Carrey. Ugh. So we already went through our personal history. Um, oh, I, don't, I didn't go through my personal history of the movie, but it's very simple. I think I saw it when I was, like, five, and that was it. Um, so this <laughs> that movie, was a real legit wow, history. That, wow, that was very. That was so wow, deep. Can you t- like, Nick, can you tell it again, so, please? One more time. For prosperity. So, so when I was like five, gotta get that like in there. When I was like five, I saw it. Once. Wow. Cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. So this movie um, was at the very early part of Jim Carrey's career as a famous person uh, in February of '94. He, uh, Ace Ventura came out and that was his breakthrough role. 
And then in July of that year, his next movie was The Mask. And then in December of that year was Dumb and Dumber. Wow. So this God was like damn. right in the story. This was like this was like sandwiched right in between two of his biggest fucking movies. Like <laughs> this it was one of his biggest movies. Yeah, well, well I, I know, but like when you think of Jim Carrey, you think of Ace Ventura or Dumb and Dumber. You don't really think of The Mask, you know, even though The My Mask mom was does. really. Yeah. Huh. Oh, that, that Jim Carrey fella with the mask. Are you serious? She thinks about the mask. That, that, that upsets She thinks me. about it all the time. <laughs> oh my god. I told her we were doing this, and she was like, "Oh my god, I love the mask, Jim Carrey in that." I've been thinking about yeah. the mask since for a whole freaking week. I can't get it out of my mind. <laughs> all right, so it sounds like Andre has a lot to say, so we'll start with him. Okay. Um. Okay. Um, Wait, actually, first off. Do we like Jim Carrey? Okay, I guess we shouldn't really talk to it like that. <laughs> um, that's a good point. I gotta say, I, I like Jim Carrey when he's an actor. I, I really love um, Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I really love Yes Man, even, which is not even that great of a movie. I, I, I like his serious acting roles a lot. Um, I've seen him in other stuff, too, um, that I don't recall. but there, I don't know. But I've seen him in other stuff that I enjoyed. Um, I do not, I have not ever been a fan I guess I respect it. First of all, he's doing it, right? Like, what am I to hate on him? But I've never been a fan of his, like, wacky, like, ridiculous, crazy comedy. Like, I remember as a kid watching Ace Ventura and being like, that is not funny. Like, that is not... Oh, God, I feel like a jerk. Who am I to say Jim Carrey's not funny? But, but, <laughs> but, like, I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid being like, I don't like that. It turns me off. It, that, that, I guess I, sh I rather I should say that type of humor turns me off. Some people like it a lot. Um, I am not one of those people. So... So when I when I when I watch The Mask, um, it's literally him at the height of that, you know. And obviously he got tired of doing that too, to the point that he started making serious movies, you know. And now he won't do a crazy movie like that. He, he's, he's doing the Sonic movie now, and it's like kind of in between, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, it is like it's like wacky, but it's got a serious. But he's a serious character. But he's a serious character, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but um, you can see it's a more refined, even from the trailer, that it's a more refined. Uh, you know that like wackiness of his past? It's like a refined version of that. It's matured through the. It's like what is it when wine gets better through the? It's, it uh, it, it ages. It ages. Uh, Jim Carrey. Nothing wrong with Jim Carrey. Okay, he's a perfectly fine dude. Uh, not really into his comedy stuff, but that's my take. But I don't know about us as a collective whole. I feel like you agree with me a little bit, Nick. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, I feel pretty much the same as you do. I guess I like his serious roles. I've never like particularly loved him, but like yeah, in Eternal Sunshine, he was good. Um, and then yeah, I just I don't like his face thing that he does. Oy. I oh. it just it annoys me. I can't describe why. And I feel like that's not an like unfamiliar uncommon. and uncommon opinion. Yeah, it's Th like that's not people exactly who don't like mayonnaise. It's like there's just a lot of people who don't like it and you don't have to explain it. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of people like it a lot. Jim Carrey's facial expressions are the equivalent to mayonnaise is what I'm saying here. Honestly, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. That so, makes sense. So yeah, the uh, Ace Luke, Ventura, Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, not wait, a fan. can I just say Luke is gonna fucking love Jim Carrey? So, yeah. right. I fucking I love, love Jim Carrey. <laughs> it's because you're like, it's because you live in New York. It's because you're also. Yeah. What is that? Oh, you're a New Yorker. <laughs> like my whole New no. York family, they love Jim uh, Carrey. All right. Okay. So so I all in high school, watching this movie actually made me remember a bunch of things. In high school, I did not realize until now how many times we would quote The Mask or Ace Ventura or Dumb and Dumber at parties or hanging out and playing Halo. So, like, I did not realize how big of a 
part Jim Carrey had in my life until just now. All right. So the movie itself, Andre clearly has a lot to say. So we'll just let him go. I've been waiting all week to talk about this. Like I watched this movie. I was the first one to watch The Mask and rewatch The Mask. And, and I've been like holding it in like for a whole week. And I just, I hated that movie. I just need to say oh. that very strongly. Oh, Look, okay. I, I, with all due respect, what's the name of the guys who made the movie? I just want to let them know, like, they're so awesome. I mean, making movies is not easy. Respect, you know, and having to do all that crap. But You're allowed to dislike a movie. Go I ahead. dislike the movie, man. I thought the movie was awful. Like, the script, first of all, let's talk about, let's talk about what they did to the comic. They, they took the comic and they stripped all of, like, the stuff that was, made it unique and then they just made it this wacky cartoon character. Like, like when did the mask, the mask literally was like a visual, it was a cartoon. It was like a, like a, like, what the fuck was that Tasmanian devil bullshit? Like, it was just like, yeah. what the hell was that? I was like, why is he obsessed with like little Bugs Bunny characters? And, 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 and he lives alone and, and he's a happy guy now? Like, Stanley's because, a hateful uh, person. Six years, or five years after they made the comic, you know, the definition of nerd had evolved. <laughs> yeah, well, well, so the mask itself, like the mask character was completely bonkers and in, 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 in many similar ways to the comics, but, but, but mostly very different in my opinion. And, but like the story was so bad. Like they just assume things like that whole love experience with Cameron Diaz's character and uh, Jim Carrey. It's uh, like, wait, can we just talk about how they gave us like three fucking scenes where they were in the same room at the same time and after by the third scene she was in love with him and yeah. she's like stanley he, yeah. after the second scene he's like oh i just can't stop thinking about you're it. like dude what the <laughs> hell you just saw this chick at the I bank feel like we're made for each we're other. made for each other right and i don't understand like she was robbing the bank she was using him like what was her motive there like so like so she was kind of enjoying it because we only get they only meet three times and it's not yeah. like they imply that they met any time in between they yeah. literally are meeting for the third time and they're in the park looking at the moon and fucking love like are you serious what the hell is that? That was the most whack ass, like old school Hollywood bullshit that just doesn't work, period, yeah. ever. Beyond just that, her character was literally nothing. Was nothing. She was literally just an object there for him to be like, I love it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, right, for sure, 100%. That was like messed up. And, and, and then the other female character, the one that ended up betraying him, yeah. which honestly, that twist kind of like was funny when it happened. But then when I thought about it, I was like, her character sucked too. Yeah, her character it was, was so wait, weak. In her first scene, I was like, oh, look, it's a, a woman who is actually like a person. Who's not like she's a reporter. Yeah. Wait, but then immediately she starts talking about how like, Oh, that article. Yeah, I used to be an advice columnist. You are a good guy. And she started talking oh about my how he's a God. good guy and oh how women God. should oh, love him. Here's what I here's what I don't really like. Like his character in the in the comics, in the comic, his character, even though if he was crazy, even though you don't really understand what was happening, you and he wasn't exactly bad or exactly good, you understood that the mask was a was an entity of itself that was controlling you to do the most crazy thing possible. And at the end of the day, it had this murder. It wanted to murder people. Like you had this notion, even if it wasn't exactly like what you interpreted from it. Whereas the mask in the movie is like this thing that you put on and they kind of try to make it like that, but it doesn't work. And it's just this thing that you put on and then you become the version of yourself that you wanted to be. Like that's what that's what he said in the movie. That was like, that was the fucking book. No, it was your innermost desire. Also, you're controlled by Loki? The god of mischief. <laughs> yeah, what the hell was that? And then you're, con you're controlled by Loki? Like what? When it, when it came to the two different kinds of masks, I saw Jim Carrey's mask as the Callaway in issue one to four, while the villain, I don't know his name, uh, 
was the mask from issue number zero and like very much in like in like the face like how grotesque it was how like you know uh the mask i jim carrey's mask i don't really know if he killed anyone really he just shot a bunch like shot a bunch of people and then they would run away whereas the evil mask was you know shooting shooting people and killing them honestly when when it came besides the fact that i have a, a long history with this movie I see this movie as 100% just, it's a, a fun movie to watch on cable at 11 o'clock at night, and you're going to watch half of it and then fall asleep, and then you'll watch the other half of it two years later. I could see the falling asleep part, but I I guess you're right, like, but I wouldn't watch the other half. Dude, I watched this movie, like, late at night, like, I came home and I want, because I was really, I wanted to watch that night, I was, I had my mind set on it, so I got home at, like, 11.30, I put on my PJs, got sort of bowl of cereal. I was ready to do that whole thing you're talking about. And I watched it and like, I literally was just, my body was being like, I was just, no, it was just reacting so That's strongly. That's so like, interesting. Do you not like fun? Like that movie upsets me, huh? Do you not like fun? Dude, I love fun, but that movie was not fun. <laughs> Wait, I gotta say, the scene where the, they're dancing in the street, what the hell was that? Okay, okay. I loved that. I, I I'm loved gonna, it. I loved it. <laughs> okay, first off, when they were, there was the scene where he was dancing with Cameron Diaz's character. Did she get a name? Doesn't matter because she didn't have a character. She didn't have so a name. Yeah, no. Cameron Diaz's character. I, I can agree can on we that. just call her the woman? the woman? The no, woman. <laughs> the sexy woman because there's two women. There's, there's only two women characters in that movie and, and one is sexy and one is a backstabbing evil person. Also, is this her, was this her first acting role? Yes, it was her first movie, and 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 that, and that was amazing. her like breakthrough role that like got her to be like an early two thousand superstar. Okay, so yeah, the the dancing scenes when they were in the club, oh. I I was just like, so I was just sitting on my couch alone at <laughs> night. It was like eleven thirty p.m. Did we all watch this at like eleven o'clock at night? Because I did. Yeah. <laughs> Well, because I had read the the comic, like, and then I was going to go to sleep, and I was like, well, now I feel like watching the movie. Yeah. So that's how that's how I felt. Yeah. So I'm I'm watching it, and I'm just sitting there alone in the dark, and like they're doing this like five minute dancing scene in a club for no reason. For no reason. And I just oh. out loud said to myself, "What the fuck am I watching?" I know. Honestly, it's and relatable. But then when they started dancing in the street, I, at first I was like, oh God, another. And then the cops started like doing their little dance moves it was and such, I started laughing. That I was laughed at so that. dumb. <laughs> no, that was dumb because that was like their way of, because they had to keep it PG-13 because they're trying to make money and then and fine, that's okay. That was their way of doing the murderous cop scene where where he's in the street killing a bunch of cops, which which I'm not saying I want to see, but it's like, it's not even like adding that would have would have been good for the story of the film because the film story was bad in so many different ways. But but um, they wanted to try to like take something from the comics is what I interpreted from that. But the dancing, what I think the dancing was in the mass movie. This is my interpretation. It's like a musical um, where the musical numbers like drive the plot forward, <laughs> and that dancing was when Cameron Diaz's character fell in love with the mask. That was that was what that scene. If was. you really want it, if you really want, like that's when, <laughs> that's when she was like, I need to be with this weird ass man. Yo, if I was yo, can I just say if I was Cameron Diaz's character and this freaking goon with a green mask starts dancing with me like a freak, I'd I'd I'd, I'd kick him. I'd I'd, I'd do. <laughs> I'd leave him like <laughs> what is she doing what are you doing Cameron Diaz oh and then the CGI I just want to say I know it was the 90s um and so I'm not gonna shit on the CGI because you can't they did their best it well, actually the, was impressive movie, sometimes yeah it seemed to me like 
instead of focusing more on story, they put a lot of focus into how the effects were going to look. And those two shouldn't be mutually exclusive. But in this case, I think that's what happened. Like they were more focused on creating a showcase for these special effects that were pretty groundbreaking at the time. Yeah, no, and they, and they were good. But sometimes they took me away from the story. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 that's that's one CGI is bad. Do do you do you, um, do you, do you think they still hold up today? Cuz I I was looking and like looking looking at like the shadows and you know all all the stuff that you got to look at when it comes to VFX. It was great. I, I I think that some of the stuff they did definitely some um holds up to this day. There are some scenes that obviously don't like for example the gun scene that they took from the comic. The, the b- balloon the the, yeah. the balloon oh, scene yeah, like no, that was no. very yeah. bad, but I thought that a lot of the they stuff were, that they did they were yeah, really held up. But then at at the same time it 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 fit to what the what the movie was trying to convey. Yeah. Like it can look weird because it's supposed to be weird. The balloon like, you know, that page in the comic was probably oh one of my favorite pages. 100%. It was so great. It was so. And good. then when it was done in the movie, it like, it was because in the comic, every time you go to a new panel, you're basically cutting away to a different image. Mm-hmm. So you're able to do a really mm-hmm. wild thing like that, where he's like moving the balloon, and then all of a sudden, next panel, there's like this jump, and he has the gun, and in your mind, like, yeah. You yeah. create the continuity, but you don't need to think about what happens in between. Yeah. Whereas when you're watching a movie, you in, in this scene specifically, they showed the whole thing. And so there was an effect of like the balloon turning into a gun, which totally didn't work. Totally. For me. That did not work at all. Something that really stood out to me, uh, it felt just like visually, it felt like the superhero movies of the time. Specifically, I'm thinking of Batman Forever. Batman Forever, exactly, mm-hmm. which came out the next year. Oh, wasn't yeah. it the same direct? Like Schumacher was no. involved with this one. No, Schumacher didn't have anything. Oh, to do I thought with he this. was. But um, just visually, it felt like like a lot of dark alleyway mm-hmm. type things, and the lighting, just like the pinkish purplish, like in the just studio light lot. that they put on the things. Yeah, and it, very clearly in like a studio, like Universal lot, like yeah. number three, <laughs> and it it just looked yeah. very. Yeah. Uh, artificial which doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing mm-hmm, but uh-huh. i think in this case it felt like he was just doing things in front of sets yeah and the lighting really made it feel like that as yeah. opposed to the way that lighting and coloring was used in the comic where they both looked not realistic but they both had a very like sense of artistry to them mm-hmm. in the movie it felt like they were just lighting things a certain way just for the sake of doing it and it didn't even look particularly good 100 I, I think they they tried to get that sort of atmosphere and lighting and, you know, that the comics got, but due to the graphical limitations at the time, they just, it fell flat, but it, it did its job like 40%. Like, uh, like who framed Roger Rabbit. It, it very, the, at the, the scenes very much remind me of like something like who framed Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit was also supposed to be like, exactly like that. Like exactly. the cartoons are coming into the real world, but the real world is also kind of cartoony. Exactly. It's exactly. It worked. I, I was shaking my head when you said that. I, I was like, it's not the same because the mask is supposed to take place in the real world, the real grimy world with gangsters and murder. No, it's a, uh, it's, it's edge city. It, <laughs> yeah, it I know, but it's in, place in universal yeah. studio lot number three. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that is unique to uh, movies as opposed to comics, um, music. You don't have any audio when it comes to a comic. So when Mm -hmm. I started watching the movie, immediately I was like, oh, like God, there's all these sounds that I wasn't expecting to be here. Oh yeah, like like those like slapstick sounds, right? Yeah, Yeah. but also just the music itself. And 
all of that takes uh takes after i guess classic cartoons like uh mm -hmm. theatrical shorts uh bugs bunny yeah. and yeah. yeah i i loved i loved the music i loved it it's specifically in my notes one of my first i think it actually might be like my second note is i love I love the music. Yeah, um, I, I think that it was. It was. I'm glad you mentioned Who Framed Roger Rabbit because the more I think about it, the more I think like I feel like it was the same people who made it. <laughs> it was the same type of music, the same type of like wackiness, the same type Possibly. of like camera movement angles, all, all the whole shebang. But that also gave it a very different feeling because in this case, it felt like slapstick because that's the music that we've come to associate with slapstick. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the comic, it was wacky, but in an off-putting way because of the lettering exactly no but that's what i'm saying in the in the movie in the in the comic the, like the, yeah. the humor was there the the wackiness was there but it was rooted in this like deep seriousness that like kind of made you feel a little uncomfortable but it also made you laugh you know so it, it even even though like he made a the, the balloon thing that was hilarious that made me laugh out loud you know i love the scene where where she where she has a thought bubble and she puts Stanley face plus like that yeah. mask plus, like all of that is hilarious but 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 it's at the end of the day it's 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 it, there's like a seriousness to it that just doesn't put it in the same category as the humor that is portrayed in the movie yeah so uh talking about the cartoon uh influence i well not i felt but there was definitely a specific tex avery influence now are you guys familiar with like the old uh directors of those old cartoons no no i'm not uh, that's i was gonna ask you what that meant okay yeah not really but i based on a quick google check i know what you're talking about okay yeah so tex avery um different from someone like we can compare him to chuck jo or chuck jones um okay. chuck jones he directed a lot of bugs bunny as i was saying uh and like he's specifically known uh, he created i think and did a lot of roadrunner shorts and so his stuff, to me, it's funny, and there are a lot of very distinct wacky beats, but they're also very structured and very distinct wacky beats. Mm -hmm. Whereas Tex Avery is just pure insanity the entire time. Uh, it's like, you could basically pause at any frame and it would, something really wild would be happening and everything is really exaggerated. And that's what he watches. He watches that wolf cartoon of the wolf guy, like, watching the like woman that was from a yeah. droopy cartoon yeah, yeah. which droopy was one of tex avery's big characters oh i didn't realize that i, I was wondering what that cartoon was i didn't even really know what it was mm -hmm. it was it was off-putting <laughs> <laughs> yeah on the cgi wolf head classic <laughs> so do, do you do you see this movie more when it when it comes to this like movie and the animation styles and stuff like that do you see it more as a as a tribute to Tex Avery compared to the actual comic mask? Or yeah. Do you think it was just a, a beat that they used to make it funny? Um, no, I, it's a little of both. Like they were definitely trying to pay tribute to him. And I think that influenced the way that they made the character in the movie. But, um, I don't think that it was like meant to be anything more than just like a reference to it and like inspired by mm -hmm. um yeah that just you know it did form the character in a very different way yeah i could see that I, I, uh -huh. yeah i mean it was yeah. it was modeled after that and i also wondered because there was that scene where the cartoon like happens and it's the wolf watching the woman and then like the eyes pop out of his head yeah and then we see the same thing when <laughs> the mask is sitting in the club watching cameron diaz do her thing and yeah. he does all the same motions um 
that scene, it made me think like about how in older cartoons and it was the forties. So like times were different Mm -hmm. and the portrayal of women was very different, Mm -hmm. but it felt like they were taking the portrayal of women in those old cartoons and placing it in live action. And I don't think that excuses it at all. And I don't even think that it was conscious. And I think it's also just a problem of the movies of the time. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was interesting to see the parallel. I thought it was interesting that they, um, I I think that that's, it's funny because they did that. And and I totally don't think it was thought through. Like, I I, I totally don't think it was conscious. And more than anything, the fact that they just put that on there. It says said a lot about the creators and 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 that what and and the time and and mm-hmm. and ended up making it. I mean, watching it especially from like a more modern perspective, like how it was weird. It was just yeah. Eh. You know what I feel like though? Can I say one more thing? I feel like a lot of people saw The Mask in the '90s and they saw The Mask when it came out when it was popular and they liked it. And it's been 30 years and time has passed. Yeah. 25 years and time has passed. And they still are looking at it from the perspective of somebody when they watched it and they liked it. And I think about it when I was in middle school, um, in eighth grade, I remember watching an Eddie Murphy special um, live at Madison Square Garden. And I remember holding that to such high, to like as the gold, gold standard of like what comedy should be up until I was in college. And I was like, yo, the Eddie Murphy special is amazing. And then I rewatched it in college and it wasn't even funny. It wasn't even mm-hmm. funny and, and to me. And and even though like I, there were moments where I was like, I saw that it was funny, like a lot of things were off-putting about the jokes. So obviously the jokes were not very, like didn't feel right, especially in today's mm-hmm. world. And a lot of it wasn't funny. So I feel like a lot of people look at, at the mask, like, like your mom looks at the mask. No, I think a lot of people <laughs> uh, have that sort of reaction, but they also hold on to the opinion that they had every time that they rewatch it. Yeah. As opposed to coming in and purposely seeing it with new eyes. Why? That's a horrible way to see movies. That's just not how you should experience it. I see the movie as a perfect time capsule of the early 90s. And I see the comic as a perfect time capsule of independent comics in the early 90s or early, late 80s, early 90s. You know, that was really well said. Yeah, I can agree with that. I agree. I agree with that. Solid. This is from Starlog Magazine number 206. This was released in, I believe, 94, late 94. And um, it was an article about writer Mark Verheiden, who ended up going on to write some uh, comics. He ended up being like a Superman writer in the early 2000s. But this was in 94. He was primarily a screenwriter. And I just, this quote, okay. In some ways, The Mask is easier to do as a movie than a comic, because you could do all the crazy, cartoony, loony stuff in live action as opposed to panel to panel. It was really quite liberating, and you could have The Mask do anything you wanted to. (laughs) It was up to your imagination. Um, And that just makes me think, like, has this guy ever read a comic before? And it also makes me think, like, because modern day, I think a big thing that people who read comics say the reason they love comics is quote, they have an unlimited special effects budget. I love and, That's a great way to say it. Yeah, yeah, and this quote is him saying the opposite because, honestly, he just doesn't understand, like, what comics are. So is he the writer for the film? He, uh, he wrote uh, the draft. I believe it was the draft where it became a romantic comedy and, like, might have done some revisions after that. 
so he got a story credit. So it's his fault. <laughs> yeah, and it's also his fault why the story sucks. So I, I don't really take yeah. everything, anything. So I just don't agree with him. I mean, I don't even, I don't even think anyone could agree with him. What did he yeah, say, dude? Yeah, so that was, that was, I thought, a particularly relevant comment to us. So final thoughts. Guys, first off, was it a good adaptation? No. I'd say no. Luke? Uh... I'm no. not saying did you enjoy no. it. I'm saying was a good adaptation. No, it, no, it was not. And okay. Look at us bullying Luke. <laughs> agree with us, punk. On the outline, I wrote as if we need to ask. Um, yeah, you did. You did, dude. You did write it was that. a separate bullet. It was a sub bullet under that bullet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, would you rather read the comic or watch the movie? I think Andre and I, our answer is pretty obvious. Rather watch the comic. Yeah, yeah, read the comic. I thought you were about to say watch the movie. I was like, I I almost said watch the comic. But yeah, Luke. See if if I'm in my if I'm in my uh, my Brooklynite Metrograph uh, indie indie movie theater uh, mood, I would read the comic. But if I'm in my Halo Three, listen to Lamb of God with my friends kind of mood, drinking drinking Coca Cola Slurpees. (laughs) It would, it would be, it would be, it would, and eating Taco Bell. And some be, monster energy the, drink. It would be the movie, definitely. I, I love that you are all of these things at once, Luke. Yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> I, I can't get over that. I, I am, I am the alpha and the omega. <laughs> okay, thanks God. <laughs> or should you say the alpha and the beta? Let's not get into that. Um, so... <laughs> Oh, Next month, we're gonna be covering Persepolis. Uh, We're going to do The Complete Persepolis. It is collected all in one volume. Uh, The book is by Marjan Satrapi. Uh, The movie is animated. Not sure who directed it, but we'll figure that out next time. Um, So if you want to watch and read along with us, go ahead. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Peace. See ya.